to the Ukraine to make it a killing field uh, with a proxy war that has left the world with at least 250,000 dead. The most recent estimates is that the rebuilding of the Ukraine would cost $400 billion, but that doesn't even touch it because uh, the destruction of the Ukraine will continue to go on for years, and uh, the Ukrainians are the least ethical people on the planet, and no matter how much money you were to give them, most of it would go to graft. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So there we are, and and, uh, and then the Chinese, uh, Xi, went in and met with uh, Putin, uh, invited Putin to, uh, to China, uh, called him uh, a great friend uh, and uh, important neighbor, and the United States had the audacity to threaten China to say that it would be uh, viewed as a, uh, an act hostile to the interests of America if uh, China were to aid Russia. Uh, but as ever the hypocrites, we, of course, can have all of the world that we influence send weapons to Ukraine to kill Russians, and we can sanction Russia in all ways feasible, and that's okay. But if their neighbor, China, were to do anything to aid them, well, that is unacceptable. Uh, I would uh, say that is pure and unadulterated hypocrisy. And while normally that would be the top story going into the last 10 years, that the world is headed to nuclear war, the United States started it, uh, Russia uh, jumped in, and now um, at the birthplace of Hasidic Judaism, uh, the place where uh, it was actually more anti-Semitic, and it's... uh, perpetrator of, of pogroms than any country in Europe, we have the fulcrum for a nuclear and a world war. But there's uh, other issues. Uh, one is that we continue to see banks fail. Uh, now, just today, there's a run on uh, Duce uh, Bank stock, the, the big German bank. Um, just uh, this week, um, Credit Suisse was swallowed by uh, UBS. Um, And it was interesting to read um, Saudi Arabia's comments. Saudi Arabia uh, said, you know, you you Swiss are uh, sure uh, uh, got your tongues flapping when you talk about uh, dictatorial countries and uh, the lack of rule of law as you lecture Saudi Arabia. And here, we, Saudi Arabia, were one of the largest shareholders and a company that we thought would govern by the rule of law, you change the laws one night to the next, wipe out the value of our stock, and act like complete and total tyrants. So who's the dictatorial state? That was from Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Uh, and mm. they're right. Boy, wow. Yeah, they're right. Yeah. So uh, the world's financial system is, uh, is beginning to show the cracks that we have talked about that are inevitable going to cost, uh, uh, lead to total and complete anarchy. And speaking of anarchy, uh, there's two places in the world right now that are being ripped apart at the seams, uh, both by numbskull progressives, the easily the dumbest people on earth, because they actually think that they're smart. 
the most immoral people on earth because they actually think that they're righteous. But uh, these anarchists um, in France are uh, burning the place down. They're terrorizing their fellow citizens. uh, And uh, they're protesting over pension reform. I I think um, Marcian has said essentially that unless the uh, retirement age picks up a couple of years from 61 to 63, the pension system is bankrupt. Well, there's more problems than the French lack of economy than that. But uh, he is right that uh, the socialist mentality in France is not sustainable. And so it is a prudent move. It's not enough. But what are the the anarchists, the progressives uh, doing? They're burning the city down. Uh, having all manner of conniption fits because they don't want the retirement age to tick up two years, and they think that somehow they're entitled to a a choice that if it were continued to be implemented, it would bankrupt the system so that nobody has anything and that they're not smart enough to realize it. And in their country, it's hundreds of thousands of people that are protesting. The country we care the most about is the country that is amongst the hardest to love. Uh, If it wasn't for Yahweh and his love for his people, uh, they would be difficult to love. What they're doing to their own country now is utterly despicable. I'm speaking of Israel. Netanyahu is traveling uh, through Europe with the express purpose of galvanizing support to keep Iran from having a nuclear bomb. Uh, Israel is the only country that seems to care about it, and the prime minister is trying to rally European heads of state to the cause of uh, preventing it. And all the while, he is dogged by uh, Jews um, screaming against him, demeaning the value of his efforts and degrading Israel. Today in England, there were several hundred of them that uh, spouted slogans that uh, indicated they had the IQ of a chicken. I am not a Netanyahu (laughs) fan. I don't think anyone as part of the covenant would be. I love his name, but that's the only thing I like about him. Uh, His coalition uh, with the uh, ultra-right-wing wackos uh, and the uh, Herodim, the religious reprobates, is uh, disastrous for Israel. You know, the religious reprobates want all manner of government subsidy and control. What they recognize and won't say is that, that ultra-Orthodox Judaism, which was created in the uh, 17th and 18th centuries, uh, is irrational. Exposed to reason, it crumbles. Exposed to fact, it crumbles. Given Giving people a choice, they would drop it like a hot brick. And so what they want is for the government and secular Jews to have to fund them while they spend all day, not studying the Torah, but studying the Talmud and other uh, numbskull rabbis. Uh, And they they do nothing but breed. They're good at making babies, uh, but 
they're thoughtless. They don't study anything meaningful. They're indoctrinated their whole lives. They are specifically kept from learning the truth about how stupid their religion is, and yet they pretend that they're doing this great service to a God who despises them. And so that's one side. And the other side, you have progressive numbskulls um, who are uh, trying to disrupt the, uh, the country. They actually call it days of disruption. They're led by, I think, one of the most despicable human beings on the planet, uh, Lapid, um, who is a self-appointed uh, opposition leader and uh, a, a progressive. Uh, and they claim that they're rallying for democracy in support of a judiciary that has absolutely no uh, uh, democratic curves. It has no one is voted for. It's not appointed by anyone who is elected. It is self-appointed. Uh, it has no constitution to rein it in. It has no jurisdiction. It has nothing other than they con continually make very liberal claims against Israel that are supposed to be uh, irrefutable because they're the high court. But without a constitution and without them being appointed by politicians, they are nothing but a house uh, afire. It is a complete and utter disgrace what Israel has as a supreme uh, court. And it has to be controlled. If there is no judicial reform, there will be no Israel. And the way yeah. the progressives are tearing the country apart, if there is judicial re reform, they will destroy Israel. So Israel is, is now facing suicide. Um, the number of people, of course, who voted in favor of the current broken and disgusting coalition uh, was significant. The number of people who are disrupting the country is insignificant by comparison, but uh, progressives uh, are exceedingly destructive. And that's what we have in Israel, and it does not fare well for the country. There was an interesting speech this week. Uh, Smoch, the, uh, uh, one of the uh, ministers of uh, the Knesset, that is a minister, and the uh, Netanyahu government was in France, and he gave a speech which he said there is no such thing as a Palestinian. There is no such place as Palestine, and he went on to describe it. And as a result, the foreign minister of the European Union screamed bloody murder and foul and said that you know, is, can't be tolerated and uh, uh, being said anywhere in the world. You had the uh, head of the PA call it racism. You had uh, Jordan saying that uh, they want to uh, uh, pull out of any agreement with Israel and a couple of the uh, Abraham Accord countries saying the same thing, asking to, uh, to nullify the agreements. It is truly amazing that the world has been lied to so often about this myth that there is a people called Palestinians and a place called Palestine, that when they are told that there is no such thing, they, uh, they think the problem is with the person making the statement. And they can't even imagine that, it, uh, that, that that's true. And yet the evidence is undeniable. It's ubiquitous. Uh, it is um, uh, absolutely irrefutable. 
Um, when the Romans renamed Judea Philistia, uh, they, it was at the time the province of Yehuda. It had been the province of Yehuda all of the time under Roman subjugation. It had been the province of Yehuda under Greek subjugation. It had been the province of Yehuda when the Babylonians uh, came and ransacked it and when the Assyrians tried to destroy it. Uh, it goes back as the province of, uh, of Yehuda all the way back to uh, Jacob and the award of land. And, and, of course, its capital was founded by King Dode, David. The history is irrefutable. Uh, it is uh, um, etched in stone. Um, the archaeology proves it. And, of course, the only book that even has the name of a Philistine, which is the, uh, the Torah and the prophets, uh, also uh, affirm it. There wouldn't even, the name wouldn't even be known if it wasn't for what was recorded about them because they don't exist anymore. Uh, they were hammered into oblivion for their aggressiveness against uh, Jews uh, by Dode and then later by the Assyrians, the Babylonians, uh, and even the Greeks, um, such that there is no legacy of the Palestinians. And so the Philistines are gone. And no one referred to themselves as a, as a Palestinian, as a Muslim, or as an Arab until uh, the, the lie was concocted by the PLO in Egypt. I believe it was right around 1968 is when the myth began to be uh, promulgated. And because no one stood up and said... <coughs> That's a bold-faced lie. Stop it. And because uh, secular uh, scholars like using Latin terms, uh, and this was a lie promulgated by the Romans, um, the myth caught on. And the lie has been repeated so many times that there is actually this belief that there is such thing as a Palestinian people, place called Palestine, therefore there should be a two-state solution, therefore from the river to the sea, uh, they will attempt to wipe out Israel and every Jew. Um, and it's too few Jews that are willing to tell the truth. Their media won't report it. Uh, their politicians uh, very seldom say it. Netanyahu didn't even have the character to say, why are you upset with him? He told the truth. If you can't handle the truth, that's your problem. But nonetheless, that was what took place in, uh, in Israel, um, in a country that I don't think there is any solution to, uh, to this. Because let's say that uh, Netanyahu, who is right now... Um, doing something that is uh, uh, in violation of a Supreme Court order. Uh, the Supreme Court, one of the justices wrote a letter and said, because you're conflicted and that you're being tried, uh, um, you can't participate in judicial reform. Now, there's no constitutional edict that said that. She had no basis to say it. But on the rest, she wrote a letter to say it. So because there is no higher court, because there's no 
means to uh, to control the Supreme Court. Netanyahu was barred by the Supreme Court for being involved in uh, judicial reform. And yet he says, you know, if I don't get involved, we have no country. Uh, but let's say they, uh, they uh, do pass, uh, and they need to, pass some of the steps along the way for judicial reform. And the idiots that are part of the progressive of their Supreme Court do, did they strike it down? So what then? It's a catch-22. There is, there is no remedy, and which is why the the Likud party wants a provision that said that uh, it says that the Supreme Court says there's no constitution can't override the majority of the Knesset because they know that for a period that will be needed to keep the Supreme Court for overturning judicial reform, and all the while. Uh, the progressives uh, that are uh, in Tel Aviv in particular will continue to rally around their transvestite and homosexual and all other manner of, uh, of pride flags uh, in, uh, in creating anarchy for the country and shutting it down. It is a dire situation for the country. It's, uh, I mean, it's what we would have expected. The uh, country will continue to falter. Uh, and yet there is hope because Yahweh is returning in uh, 2033, year 6,000 Yah. Um, there will be Yehudim and Yisraelites that are going to recognize him, that will be there proudly calling out his name. Uh, that number uh, now all reside in the covenant family. They are, um, primarily reside in the United States, the number of Jews uh, who are covenant who uh, know Yahweh, who meet the conditions of the, uh, of the covenant, who have walked away from religion and politics. Uh, and Israel is exceedingly few, but hopefully things will, will get their attention over these next 10 years so that there's a, uh, uh, I, I, I almost feel uncomfortable saying a reasonable number because God's never been, impressed with numbers. He's uh, far more interested mm-hmm. in the quality of people who will be there than the number of people that will be there. But still, the universe is very large. Eternity is a very long time. And it, um, our time and travels will be more enjoyable if there are uh, more people. And we're going to feel better about everything if uh, we continue to awaken Yehudim so that they stop this nonsense and return to Yahweh and enjoy Kippurim as Dode, their Messiah and King, returns with Yahweh on October 2nd, 2033. All right, that's uh, probably enough for uh, the uh, the news. I do not have any uh, good news, only uh, bad news. Uh, we uh, had two weeks of Q&A. We'll go back to it here in a month or so. But uh, uh, we are going to return to the book of Hosha. This is the eighth volume of Fiyata Yahweh. Um, and this was the, uh, the, the statement that led us into Yermayah uh, now uh, three weeks ago. It reads, I will go away and return to my place until they closely examine and carefully consider the way to receive the benefits of the relationship through the restoring witness and eternal testimony. 
and they seek my presence responsibly investigating and learning about my appearance. It is during the time of trouble that they will approach by earnestly seeking me, longing to learn about the relationship. Hosha, he saves, 515. Yahweh wrote that uh, for this particular program, for uh, us to share it with you this evening. Uh, It is the absolute... It's hard to see it otherwise. It is the absolute perfect statement for what we have just shared with you. Uh, This was written um, around 750-ish BCE, and Yahweh was telling his people that I'm leaving you. You're, You're too religious, too political, too disgusting for me. I'm leaving you. Uh, And I'm going back to my place. You can lie to one another, do whatever you wish to do, bring all manner of enemies upon yourself. And they did. I mean, they would have the the Babylonians. They would have the Greeks. They would uh, uh, have the uh, Romans uh, three times. Uh, They would have um, the Roman Catholics. They would have the Muslims, they would have the Nazis, and now they have uh, progressives. They brought them these enemies upon themselves because Yahweh left them because he could not stand them. God is a father, they are his children. For him to say, I'm going to leave you, means that they had to be utterly disgusting. And that's mm-hmm. the way he sees Jews today. Now, it's not to say that he sees Goyim better or Christians better or Muslims better. He doesn't. But there's a difference. Christians were never his people. Muslims were never his people. Goyim are not his people. Now, it's possible for Goyim to become part of the covenant, and there are many. But they, as a group, were not the people he chose. He chose many Goyim individually, but he chose Israel collectively. He established his covenant with Israel. He revealed himself to Israel. He liberated Israel. He gave a land to Israel. All of his prophets were descendants of Jacob. So they have no excuse, and yet they were despicable and have continued to be, and are today showing the worst possible behavior. So he says, I will, re- I will go away and return. Halak Shub. To my place, El Makom. Ani. Until they closely examine and carefully consider the way to receive the benefits of the relationship through the restoring witness of the eternal testimony. Three very, very powerful Hebrew words. Ad, which uh, means until, it means witness, it means testimony, it means everlasting, it means restoring. Asher is the connection, it's the glue. It's the, when Yahweh introduced himself to Moshe and explaining his name, uh, Asher was used twice in that statement, along with, 
Asher is a path, not a path, it's the path to God. It is the means to receive the benefits of the relationship. It's the correct and narrow way to walk, to be part of the family. And shamar means to observe. It means to closely examine and to carefully consider. Those three words were used in conjunction. And they seek my presence responsibly investigating and learning about my appearance. The only way that's possible is to throw away the goddamn Talmud. Toss it. Stop listening to the rabbis. Silence the Herodim. And open the Torah and prophets. Read what God had to say. Until his people closely examine and carefully consider the way to receive the benefits of the relationship through the restoring witness of the eternal testimony, and they seek my presence, responsibly investigating and learning about my appearance, I am going to go away to my place. I will only return when that changes. And so he said, it is during a time of trouble, Baha Sa'ar, a period of great distress, of being besieged and restricted, enclosed and confined, and you think you're confined now. Mm-hmm. Wait, to, uh, wait till you give up uh, the so-called West Bank, Judea and Samaria, to appease the world. Uh, and you have a Islamic state controlled by Hamas on the east and the west, and one controlled by Hezbollah on the, uh, the north, and Saudi Arabia and Egypt on the south. You think it's bad now. Consider it then. It is during a time of trouble. Boy, if this wasn't a time of trouble for Israel, then Yahweh needs to recoin a word for Sa'ar. That they will approach. It is during this time of trouble that they will approach by earnestly seeking me, longing to learn about the relationship. Peel and perfect, paragogic nun, Energicus of choosing Yahweh. And yet, you know, I read four or five Israeli newspapers a day. Mm-hmm. And I read the comments by the readers of those newspapers. And you know something? I have never seen Yahweh's name mentioned in any of them. I'm not even sure it'd be allowed. I listen to the rabbis uh, only so that I know what I'm up against. Never heard them say Yahweh's name. Until that changes, Yahweh will stay away from Israel. Again, uh, Hosea 5.15 is the perfect passage to read on New Year's Day, 5990, just 10 years away from Yahweh's return. If you are a Jew and you're wondering why we're speaking of 5990 and and uh, the rabbis are 250 some odd years um, different, it's because the system they're using was created by Amamides who the Rambam was a dum-dum. I mean, he, he, uh, it's astounding 
that he is uh, viewed credibly by Jews. His numbering system, uh, well, if you presented it in an eighth grade class, you'd get an F. It is strictly stupid. It's more him being enamored with the number 19 because of its relevance in Islam, with the surahs being divisible by 19, and him serving as a vizier to uh, Muslim sultans, than it is anything else. It has nothing to do with the story uh, told in the Torah or the genealogies that he provided within the Torah for us to know these events. And of course, because he does not acknowledge Yahweh's fulfillment of Pesach, Matzah, Bakotim, and Shabuah in year 4,000 Yah, he has no basis to anchor his timeline because he does not understand the Yobel and how Yahweh um, confirmed the covenant with Abraham in year 2000, Yah, 1868 BCE, how Dode is the single most important character in the story. He is the Messiah. He is the King of Kings. He is the Son of God. And because they do not understand his importance, they do not know that he lived right in the center of this time. He is the fulcrum upon which everything pivots. And therefore, not understanding these anchors and the importance of the fulfillment of the Moed Mikre, they are waving uh, themselves into the abyss, having no concept of time. It is 5990. There are 10 years left until Yahweh's return. When we uh, shared this uh, passage uh, a, um, three weeks ago, I uh, mentioned that the event, Yahweh's return, uh, is uh, spoken of very vividly by uh, Yermiah. It's the most important revelation in the book of Yermiah. Uh, the message is recorded in the 30th and 31st chapters of Yerbeyah, and that is where we ended our program uh, three weeks ago, and that's where we're going to return. And I know, Kirk, uh, you felt that I had uh, I had treated you unfairly with a question uh, regarding, did you look up a word, and you have uh, sent me your penance on, uh, on word search, and are now the foremost expert on the TASDI. Uh, and so there are some points here that I know you're going to interrupt and make the, no, the great No, that was just between you and me. I, 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 was, I don't want to slow you down. You're on a roll, man. This is okay. good. Okay. Uh, but but uh, I just, uh, I was just. Uh, <laughs> you're, you, I'm obviously having fun with you. Uh, yeah. but, you but you brought it on yourself, so uh, so there. Uh, uh, of course. But, uh, uh, yes, <laughs> of course. Of course. No, it was a self-inflicted yeah. wound. I, I, read your, I read your letter. Uh, Kirk is the only person that will send you an email of a handwritten uh, letter, by the way. He wrote a handwritten letter, and then he took a picture of it and sent it to me. <laughs> so, Works. Yes, very nice printing for anybody who would wonder but nonetheless that's that's not what i did see uh just out of uh out of uh respect i i happen to agree with you that uh that beyond the uh the three letters that comprise yahweh's name the 
you know, the hand reaching uh, down and out to us, the open hand mm-hmm. reaching down and out to us, the two hays, which are the two people standing up, reaching up and looking up to Yahweh. They represent uh, Abraham and, uh, and Sarah. Uh, and the wall, which is the tent peg uh, in between, securing them, uh, protecting them. Um, the, uh, apart from those three letters that comprise the letters in Yahweh's name, the Tazdi is easily the most controversial. It's the one where yes. every time I'm uh, translating a Hebrew word and it begins with the Tazdi, I go, okay, <laughs> what, yeah. what are we going to find going here? <laughs> here? Now, there are some good ones, you know, uh, Eretz oh, yeah, uh, has a Tazdi in it. Yeah, mm-hmm. Eretz has a Tazdi in it, the lamb. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Sion. Sion uh, uh, mm-hmm. is not written with an S or a Z. Uh, but with a Tazdi, a TS, uh, and it represents the signposts on the way between uh, Dode's home and Yahweh's uh, along the ridgeline of Moriah. So there are some positive Tazdi words, and in that sense, we look at the original graphic depiction as a person in the same kind of position we're in as we're studying Yahweh's testimony. Uh, It's a person kind of sitting up leaning up, uh, uh, reading a, uh, a book, uh, if you will, uh, is what the Tazdi looks like on its, uh, uh, when it's viewed in one of these positive uh, veins. But it's also a person lounging around doing nothing. And uh, God's, God's not a do-nothing sort of a God. He, he likes work. He likes people who are passionate and intense and, and courageous and bold and uh and so lounging around isn't his thing um you know it's It's interesting he doesn't even lounge around on the shabbat and the shabbat doesn't have a tasdi in it so (laughs) he is he's just that just that's just not his thing and so uh uh, when we uh, come to the next uh Tazdi world, we'll, uh, we'll talk about it. And I think what you find that it's um, about one-third of the uh, Tazdi words are, uh, are neutral, about um, uh, 60-some uh, percent almost negative. 46 percent, yeah, and then positive. Are, 40, are, uh, I mean, negative. 46 percent are negative. Sorry, negative is the largest, yes. Yes, yes. and that's like 46 percent. And then the second largest is neutral. Mm-hmm. And then the uh, smallest percentage is positive. The, um, the so, reason it was important, you, you, well, you allowed mm-hmm. me to put a uh-huh. chart on on the on the website, and and I, as I look in that one, is still was still, it's odd, you know. So I was trying to get as close as I could, so when somebody reads yeah. it, they'll they'll not be, yeah. I'm not leading them down the wrong yeah. path. Yeah, on what they yeah there there are. Uh, one of the the uh, very interesting things that. Um, Kirk came up with that uh, I thought was unheralded is that there are, I think it's 13 of the 22 Hebrew letters that are uh, slanted, that point in one direction or the other. Uh, Most of them Mm -hmm. uh, move from uh, right to left the way that Hebrew reads, uh, which means they they aren't uh, symmetrical. There's an aspect of them that shows the letter like a plow, plowing from right to left, the way that Hebrew uh, reads. 
uh, a sign uh, that would be leaning in that direction, a, uh, uh, a root uh, growing in that uh, direction, a hand reaching out in that direction. So uh, most of them, the only one that actually moves in the opposite direction against the way that he's grew the gimel. Yeah. And of course, the, the yeah. gimel is for uh, Gaza and Goyim, uh, Gomorrah. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are very few yeah, uh, gimel words that are positive. So, right. uh, and it's the one, it's a picture of a foot, and the foot is going in the wrong direction, walking away. And what Kirk figured out is that when Yah was, one of the letters in Yahweh's name, one or more are in a word, if the letters face like a roche, the roche faces to the left. So you're, you're going from right to left. It faces the direction that Hebrew reads. And so uh, if, the yetter, if you have a word and the letters in Yahweh's name are to the left of the roche, so that the roche is facing them, then the word has a positive connotation. If it's uh, if the word, the face is looking away from the letters in Yahweh's name, it has a negative connotation. So that God engineered his vocabulary with uh, letters that would convey uh, positive and negative meanings in this way. Uh, and I think Kirk, you're the first person to come up to with uh, that uh, insight. Um, and so. Uh, it may or may not apply to the TASDE. TASDE has a, a has an uh, an entirely different um, aspect to it in terms of the way that it's drawn. It's the most difficult to interpret uh, because to be observant, which is that last passage in Hosha, encourages us to be is a very positive thing, but being lazy uh, is not. All right, so we're gonna yes. we're gonna begin this with uh, Yermia. Uh, 31 and 32, uh, at 30.1 and 30.2. It begins the word, the message that's being communicated, Hatabar, which to reveal the way to the benefits of the relationship, Asher, came to exist, Haya, with Yerma Yahu. It means Yahweh raises and lifts up. Yahweh teaches and guides. Uh, it means to respect and revere Yahweh. Typically, commonly translated Jeremiah, even though there is no J in the Hebrew language. So the word which came to reveal the way to enjoy the benefits of the relationship came to exist with Yermayahu from Yahweh to announce this is what Yahweh, the God of Yisrael, proclaims. So as to declare, of your own volition, write all of these words which lead to the proper path to get the most out of life that I have and will be speaking to you about doing so in a written document so that there is a permanent record. Pretty clear. Pretty clear. Yahweh has an overwhelming preference for the written word. It is more enduring. It is absolutely necessary for prophecy. And prophecy is the tool that he uses to prove his existence and his authorship 
of a text like this. Without the written word, there's no way to prove it. With the written word, well, we have the Dead Sea Scrolls now to go back 2,200 years. We have the means to uh, to prove these things, and we have um, sections of the Torah, Prophets, and Psalms that, that we have found that, that go back another five, 600 years, even beyond that. The advantage of the written word is not just that it's enduring, but that it's a much more effective communication uh, tool uh, because it uh, it doesn't change. If you were to give that translation written that way on a piece of paper to 10 people and have each of them uh, read it, uh, the 10th person is going to read it exactly like the first person read it. But if you were to say it to the first person line and have them repeat it mouth to ear to the next, by the time you got to the 10th person, you might have three words that were the same. So oral transmission is uh, um, grossly inferior. Uh, not only can you read seven times faster than, than we can process uh, verbal communication, it is much easier to fact check. So, for example, the translations that we have uh, in any one of the 30 books on the yadayah.com site, you can copy and paste any word into a uh, search engine and validate the translations. So it, it gives you a much easier time of fact-checking and verifying uh, something for yourself. It also gives you the ability is if you read something and it was powerful, like that statement in Hosha, uh, which was perfectly suited for this moment in time, you can go back and read it two or three times. Or if it's spoken, it fades into the ether. The only thing that isn't as effective in the written word versus the spoken word is that you can emote more um, feeling, emotions, mm -hmm. into the spoken word. Uh, Diawa isn't, um, isn't impressed by that, though. It's emotions that got his favorite person, his son, Dode, in trouble. When Dode was thinking, he, he was on his game. He was right. When he was responding emotionally, he was almost always wrong. So God's preference is that we think our way uh, through life and to him as opposed to feel our way uh, to him. And therefore, the written word while it is inferior in terms of communicating emotions, is superior because it plays to the intellect. Because indeed, behold, a time is coming, prophetically reveals Yahweh, when I will return to restore the property and possessions taken during the captivity of my people, Yisrael. And Yahuda declares Yahweh. Well, that means that if you're a fake Stidian and you're claiming that uh, Israel is yours, you are screwed. If you're a, uh, a European and you were part of those that robbed the Jews as the Europeans promoted the Holocaust, you're in real trouble. If you're a Roman Catholic 
and that institution was the most anti-Semitic for the longest period of time, God's not pleased with you. And he will return to Israel what was stolen. So God's view is the opposite of the conspiratorialists. They think that, you know, Jews are manipulating the world, trying to steal the world and all that sort of thing. And God's view is, no, the world has robbed his people. And he's going to make it right. So if you are taking the conspiratorial view, then you're in opposition to God. And then I will return and bring them back to the land that for the benefit of the relationship I gave to their fathers, and they will receive it as their inheritance. A lot of Jews have come back to the land. More have not than have, but many have. Uh, When God says this, he's talking about bringing really every surviving Jew back to the land. Be careful, because that's not 15 million people or however many God may think that the DNA suggests that they are actually Jewish. The vast, overwhelming majority of Jews, uh, God's going to have nothing to do with. God will not relate to, engage with, have any kind of relationship with, talk to, endure, tolerate the Herodian. So religious Jews, either Orthodox or ultra-Orthodox, have zero chance to uh, to be part of those he calls back home. God is going to have nothing to do with progressives, liberals, or even right-wing um, political types. You know, when God spoke of why human government institutions were horrible, and he did so through Shamuel, when Shamuel was feeling badly about the fact that uh, the, the children of Israel had decided they wanted a, a king to emulate the Goy and chose Shaul, uh, which turned out to be disastrous for them. Yahweh articulated to Shamuel the 12 reasons that uh, this would impoverish mm-hmm. his people. And so in the quest to determine whether liberal or conservative politics are more consistent with uh, God, the answer is very simple. Smaller government is better than big government. Um, A system that relies on the Loewe, the Shafat, and his Torah is vastly superior to a small government, but a small government is still better than an intrusive one. Everything that man does is counterproductive, and the more man does it, the worse it becomes. So uh, uh, while the conservative political types in Israel would be closer to God's viewpoint than the liberals, the uh, conservatives, by the very fact that they remain political and are not reliant on Yahweh, will not be part of that homecoming. It's going to be just those who acknowledge Yahweh's name, who accept the five conditions of the covenant, and who respond appropriately to Yahweh's seven Moed Mikre. 
they will be the sum total of those who are brought back to the land. This is still a future date. We're talking about this occurring on October 2nd, 2033, beginning at sunset. And then I will return them, bringing them back to the land that for the benefit of the relationship I gave to their fathers. And they will receive it as an inheritance. There will be a thousand years where Jews will have the opportunity to live in Israel as the land was originally allocated to them. And Israel at that time will be turned into the conditions experienced in the Garden of Eden. And these are the words which reveal the way Yahweh spoke concerning Yisrael and to Yahudah. This is what Yahweh conveyed as we heard the sounds of concern over the terrorists and terrorism when there were no prospects of reconciliation or peace. Yermia was uh, revealing much of his book and the, uh, during the, the, uh, the three Babylonian assaults, there were three different times, two of, of them particularly famous, where the Babylonians uh, came to uh, um, assault uh, and control Judea. It was all as a result of, well, the Babylonians were, were egotistical and wanted to uh, impose their will over everybody. But the, uh, the kings of Israel... Uh, were maniacal, and they were constantly trying to decide, are we going to bribe the Egyptians to uh, to protect us, or are we going to bribe the Babylonians to protect us, because they weren't willing to rely on Yahweh to, uh, to protect them. Um, but in this particular case, um, what Yahweh is saying is that this is, a, uh, this is a tough time. Just as today is a tough time, that was a tough time, and uh, it's why God was speaking to his people through this prophet. What is particularly important here, because this all plays into Yahweh's return, that's what he's talking about, that's the subject, is that the people he's talking to are, uh, are not Christians. If you're waiting for your Jesus Christ to come back, you're going to be sorely disappointed. If you think that your church is going to redeem you, you will be really disappointed. Uh, if you're looking for the Islamic Mahdi, <laughs> forget it. If you think there's going to be a Gog and Magog war, you have been misled. Um, the fact of the matter is that God is speaking to Yahuda and Yisrael. Yisrael can include Yahuda, but at this time they were spoken of as separate because by um, this date, Yisrael was essentially gone. They had been hauled off into uh, slavery by the Assyrians around 720 BCE. Uh, they were lost to history. And Yahuda was uh, on the cusp of being hauled away into Babylonian captivity. And so they were separate entities. And, and God's whole idea of fulfilling reconciliation is he's going to reconcile uh, Israel and Yahuda back, which means he needs to reclaim uh, some of the uh, of the ten tribes that uh, comprised uh, Yisrael, and then get them to form a bond with Yahuda, and then collectively them choosing to restore their relationship with Yahweh. 
That's what he's speaking about at this time. And keep in mind, the audience are the very people who said, I am going to leave and I'm going to stay away from you for a very long time and I'm only going to return when there are enough of you paying attention, being observant, that it will, uh, that, that this is going to prevail. All right, in this next sentence, we have a TASD, so uh, Kirk, I'll let you uh, have at it. It says, uh, alas, assuredly, this time will be so different that there has never been anything similar to it. It is the time of Jacob's troubles. Wa'eth sar Hugh. One of the most profound phrases in the entirety of the Torah. Eth Sarah Hugh. It is the time. Uh, it's actually Wa Eth Sarahu La Yaqab. Yaqab represents Yisrael. So it is literally the time, Eth meaning time, of Yaqab's troubles, which is what Sarah means. Um, and troubles is a, uh, a word that is equal um, uh, anxiety and anguish, distress, adversity, as it is confinement, being narrowed, reduced, uh, and uh, oppressed in dire straits. Uh, but by saying this is the time of Jacob's troubles, it is the time of Israel's troubles. Um, the duration of this uh, is subject to debate. There is a statement that is uh, uttered by uh, someone, Daniel, who's a nincompoop, calls uh, Gabriel, uh, but Gabriel means uh, great man of God. The greatest man of God is, uh, is Dode. Um, no. So I think it is Dode, David, that was speaking, and he seems to indicate that there'll be a seven-year time of uh, Jacob's troubles, with the last three and a half being intense. Uh, his uh, assessment uh, is that um, uh, that right around um, the well on Passover, which we're two weeks away from, on Passover in 2030, Elia and the second witness, um, who is a goy will uh, will return on Passover to Jerusalem to uh, to speak uh, on Yahweh's behalf and to speak against religion and politics. And that two weeks after they return, uh, the devil incarnate, uh, the human manifestation of Satan, is going to be their rival in Jerusalem, and uh, Satan is going to do everything in his power to uh, prevail over every Yehudim. That is this time of uh, troubles. He's going to bring as many influences around the world against God's people as possible. He's he's fighting a very interesting battle, and in that the Book of Ezekiel, which is his autobiography, has him coming up with uh, 25 ways to exterminate Jews. Uh, Ezekiel's new uh, temple complex is a large version of Auschwitz. It's a concentration camp. It's a death camp. Uh, it's designed to bury Jerusalem, removing all traces of it. And so Satan is going to try 
to both eliminate Jews and win the popularity contest with Jews because if he gets virtually every Jew to agree with him, then he will have forestalled Yom Kippurim, Yahweh's return on the Day of Reconciliations. If there are no Jews to reconcile, this prophecy is false. The prophecy in Hosea becomes false if there aren't Yehudim and Yisraelites and Yisrael awaiting Yahweh's return to greet him by name. Why we do what we do. Mm-hmm. Satan has to have a virtually clean sweep. He is going to win the majority. But we're not playing a game of numbers. We're playing a, a contest of right. quality. And so that is what is at stake at this time. It is likely that on uh, on May Day, the 1st of May in 2030, that the... Uh, human incarnation of Satan is going to come into uh, Israel and the opposing uh, force will be um, Elia and uh, Yada uh, speaking on Yahweh's behalf. Uh, And so from that time, from Passover in 2030 to Yahweh's return with Dod, David, the king of Israel, the Messiah and son of God, on Yom Kippurim in 2033 is that three and a half years. That is the most intense period of the time of Jacob's or Israel's troubles. But it isn't going to be like one day everything is hunky-dory and the next day it is chaotic. It's going to disintegrate between now and then. And the question is, does... uh, Does it continue at the pace that it appears to be disintegrating now? And, uh, and, uh, you know, this is now 10 years out, and we have Israel on the cusp of civil war. Um, We have the world on the cusp of financial chaos and nuclear war. Um, So is it a seven-year period? Do we continue this 10-year sweep into it, or is it uh, three and a half years? that isn't certain, but I think the answer is uh, all of those things. Um, mm-hmm. I think that it, uh, we are already there. Uh, yeah, I the think so. And Israel's in far worse shape than we could have imagined, and we're 10 years away. By the time we're seven mm-hmm. years away, it will be far more hellacious. And, um, and sometime uh, uh, around that period... Uh, between seven years away and the three and a half years away, you're going to have the Teruah harvest, uh, and it's going to get far worse in the immediate aftermath of that. So, Kirk, what you find out about yeah. Sar and Sarah? Sar is the primary word. Sarah is just the feminine version of it. Uh, but um, what did you find out? That's a that's a tasty word with a one, negative connotation. It's one of the most. It's also one of the most horrible words. I mean, it's, it's just nothing. I went to. I deal with about eight lexic. I mean, eight yeah, eight lexicons and a and a bunch of hardcover ones as well with the twat and then just uh, insinuous and all and the Dead Sea Scrolls Bible and all that sort of stuff. And I tell you, everywhere everywhere you look, we we've got. I, what was interesting. 
these things are so related to this particular time that you could not it's prophetic they you wouldn't have mm-hmm. used those definitions in any other time i mean besieged yeah they besieged and oppressed and birth pangs and all that sort of thing uh, but even that would be kind of odd um be, but the things that were came, jumped out were um to be, to be bound to cramp to to uh, distress the straits to lay siege to, that's fine. However, you've got narrow and tight adjectives that are modifying the noun there for, that's from the adjective with the tesara. And then the um, shut up and seized, afflicted, anguish, closed off, flint, all those things. Uh, you use a flint to blow up, you know, to start a fire. I mean, to blow, um, to, you know, fire something. To, um, it's more gunpowder related than it is to uh, just to stab someone. Well, I guess you can start a little bit of fire, but this is, it's just everything about it was, this is one of the most horrible things coming. Yeah, what's and, amazing and, here, uh, Kirk, is that uh, um, Israel has had some horrible times. Uh, Antiochus uh, and his decrees mm-hmm. during the time of the Maccabees. In fact, the, the Maccabees were, uh, were um, despicable individuals. So it's, uh, it is, uh, this was, bad Jew against bad Greek. Uh, but uh, that was a horrible time for Israel, uh, Antiochus. In fact, you know, they, in the book of, uh, of uh, Daniel, the first six chapters of it are complete trash. Uh, but they're, they're, the last six chapters have some prophetic merit to them. And, um, and there's this implication that, uh, that uh, Antiochus Epiphanes is uh, the model for the Torahless one of the uh, of the last days of this fellow that's going to be the incarnation of Satan, um, and so that was a bad time. Um, the uh, uh, going back prior to that, uh, the Babylonian siege of uh, three sieges of Judea, that was awful. The Jews three different times hauled into captivity. Uh, the uh, the city itself uh, destroyed uh, the temple, uh, uh, dismantled. Um, that was a horrible time. The Assyrians were the baddest boys on the planet, and uh, they hauled away uh, the um, tribes Israel, of uh, yeah. Ephraim of uh, the northern kingdom, Israel. It doesn't get any worse than the Assyrians. They were, they were the ultimate tyrants. And as bad as that was, it got far worse much later, I've just gone from forward to back and now going forward from, uh, from the Greeks, you come to the Romans, and the Romans besieged Israel three times. In fact, it was the, the Maccabees that actually invited them uh, in. That was the initial context. Um, but uh, three different times, uh, what, 66 uh, BCE, while there was this great rivalry of the uh, Hasmonean dynasty over who was going to be the big muckety muck over the uh, uh, the temple, since that job paid more than because um, like, you could steal more money from being the head uh, priest than you could um, being the king of Israel under uh, the control of whatever power was in place. Um, that was the first of the Roman sieges. That one was bad, but in 70 it was far worse, and nothing compares to what Hadrian did and uh, between 133 and 135. Um, of course, uh, Hadrian's was uh, as a direct result of the father of rabbinic Judaism, Akiba, 
who came up with the notion of Bar Kokhba being a messiah. Of course, he was a false messiah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he was the one that brought the Romans in and caused the diaspora, led to the Holocaust. And that's the founder of your religion. He was wrong about uh, his false messiah and uh, caused more harm for your people than anything else. Uh, there's something tragically wrong with you when you you begin your religion with such a scumbag. Uh, but that was a horrible time. And the treatment that Jews received in Europe under the control of the Roman Catholic Church for hundreds and hundreds of years was despicable beyond imagination. And then there were the Islamic conquests where they were savages. And there's still Islamic terrorism to this day. And then, of course, there was Europe erupting in a siege of anti-Semitism. It wasn't just the Nazis. It was all of Europe that led to the Holocaust. And nothing has ever happened that we can imagine that is worse than that. It was interesting today. I was reading an article. There were some twins, that, two women, that were... Um, um, experimented on by uh, Mengele in, uh, in Auschwitz. You know, this is the, oh, really? one of the darkest of the Nazis. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, the, how, and talks about how they survived and what the Nazis tried to do to them. And the, uh, the comments following the article, it was a Yahoo uh, News report, the comments on the article, at least 80% denied the Holocaust. I mean, for you to deny the Holocaust... You have to be so effing bomb stupid that yeah, that's shocking. the world would be better off without you. <laughs> it's just astonishing yeah. that somebody could be that stupid. And then there was about a third of the, uh, the comments that were, oh, get over it, you know, enough of that already. Get on with your lives. As opposed to understanding the significance of the decimation of an entire race of people and death camps. One said, you know, uh, Auschwitz was really a nice place. They had a dance hall. They had an orchestra. Uh, they had soccer fields. Uh, it was, they had a swimming pool for the inmates, uh, but they had no gas chambers. They had no crematoria. I've been there. How could you be that stupid? Uh, nonetheless, uh, it was uh, the Holocaust was a pretty dire time. And what God says here is, alas, assuredly, this time will be so different that there has never been anything similar to it. It is the time of Israel's troubles. That's what is confronting you. You think that it's irritating now because the progressives are restricting access to your streets or the conservatives are trying to rein in your judiciary or the Muslims in uh, Ramallah and, uh, and places of that ilk are plotting to kill you. You know, they're, um, they ran a poll just recently within the Fakistanian territories of their views of, of committing terrorist acts against Jews, of 
murdering Jewish civilians for no other reason than, well, you don't like them. Mm-hmm. You want to get rid of them. Yeah. 75% of wow. the Muslim Pakistanians said that they strongly supported murdering Jews. How in the world could the world want to give a state to people with that mindset? Unless they are so disgustingly anti-Semitic that they agree with them. Yeah. Then shame on you. Yeah. So, Kirk, this is the worst of the TS words. Mm-hmm. Sara. Good day. And it is, uh, it is, here is Yahweh through his prophet creating a written record of God saying, this will be the worst of the worst. And whether it is now, whether it is three years from now that this begins, or whether this begins six and a half years from now, interesting question, or all of the above. The answer, though, for anyone who is listening is, who cares? Why don't you just simply shed your ignorance, walk away from the lies of religion and politics, observe Yahweh's testimony as he asked, embrace him by name, accept the five conditions of the covenant, the first of which requires you to separate yourself from religion and politics and conspiracy, by the way, and your societal customs, Walk to Yahweh along the path he has provided, which is through the Moed Mikre, which means when we come to Passover in two weeks, it is Chag Matzah. The most important day is Matzah. That is where your soul is purged of Cleansed. religious and political yeah. corruption. It's the most important of the day. It's not a missing ingredient in Passover. Passover is not seven days. Matzah is seven days. And it includes, incorporates Pesach, which you mm-hmm. must attend the Iowa 7 Moed Mikre. You know, the most important to us is Teruah because that's our job. Yeah. And the most important for Yahweh is, is Kippurim because that's the day that he is reuniting himself with his family. But for those who are listening to our words today, you need to begin with Pesach, Matzah, Bakudim, and Shabuah. Pesach is the doorway to life eternal. Matzah is the threshold on which we are cleansed before we enter Yahweh's home and family of religious and political perversions, such that on Bakudim, firstborn children, we are born into Yahweh's eternal covenant family. So that seven sevens later on Shabuah, Yahweh spiritually enriches, empowers, and enlightens us, enabling us to be effective troubadours, for us to be effective witnesses on Teruah as we move towards the fulfillment of Yom Kippurim and alert Israelites that they need to start observing Yahweh's testimony. And those who do will five days later have the opportunity to camp out Sukha means uh, shelters and tents to camp out with uh, Yahweh for a thousand years here on earth as he restores the conditions to those found in the Garden of Eden 
where there was no religion, no politics, no government. There was no judiciary, so you did not have to worry about judicial reform. But that's where we're headed. Alas, assuredly, this time will be so different that there has never been anything similar to it. It is the time of Jacob's troubles. And yet from it, he, Jacob, representing Israel, will be liberated and saved. Yah, 37. And it will happen in that day. Yeah. uh, He, Jacob, Israel, will be liberated and saved. Yasha. You know, it's interesting. In rabbinic Judaism, there is no salvation. They have no concept of what Pesach, Matzah, and represent. They have no salvation. There's, there is, your purpose is to, uh, is to comply with the rabbinical edicts and get your life all twisted up in a knot over the billions of things you cannot do, uh, uh, such that you live a righteous life, but for no purpose other than to live the righteous life. No heaven, no hell. No Yahweh. So I guess what's the purpose of salvation if there's only a G-D? But according to Yahweh, Jacob, representing Israel, will be liberated from all of this and saved. And it shall be in that day, it will happen in that day, prophetically declares Naum, Yahweh, of the vast array of spiritual implements, Shabbat. There's another TS words. This one positive. Mm-hmm that uh, I will uh, break, Shabar, his yoke, his means of control and manipulation from upon your neck, and I will pull it off and tear it away along with the bounds and shackles. Now, what's interesting here is the pronouns. So it's going to happen in that day, prophetically says. So mm-hmm. sentence before, uh, that, uh, and yet from it, he, Jacob, will be liberated and saved. And it will happen in that day, prophetically declares Yahweh of the heavenly host, that I will break his implements of control and manipulation. Who's he? Who's his? Who are these implements of control and manipulation? God, the whole world's trying to manipulate them and control them. Jacob, Israel. Oh, well, still. It's yeah. Israel's means to control Jews. Ah, their politics, their rabbis, <laughs> their yeah, the whole, the whole organization. Yeah. Babylon again. Yeah. Jews being their own worst enemies, and God says, I'm going to break their ability to control and influence each other because when they control each other, they lead them away from me. So the only way to liberate Jews so they can form a relationship with Yahweh is to break the bonds of control of things like Judaism and progressive uh, politics and the Supreme Court and other influences within the lives of the Jewish people. I will pull off and tear away your bonds and shackles. You know, even the telephones in uh, the Herodim world are a shackle. 
they have to have codish sure. phones that are not that can't connect to the internet. They only can certain numbers that they can dial. They can't even call a, a helpline when the rabbi is uh, abusing sexually their sister or their wife or their daughter. They can't learn the truth by coming to a site like yadayah.com. They're kept in an intellectual ghetto by those who are preying upon them, the rabbis. They're doing it to themselves. Yeah, it's true. Those who are illegitimate and unauthorized, falsely claiming authority. You know, this is the, uh, the one of the big things about the Maccabean uh, revolt mm-hmm. is that while the Maccabees, there's no way to know if the Maccabees were uh, were uh, lowy or not. Uh, there is one line in uh, in their books, which we have no idea if it had the degree that things that they wrote are true. They're not inspired by Yahweh. Uh, where they have some great grandfather being um, of a uh, of a uh, priestly line, but it's not known, and they didn't care. Um, there was a period of time when Jews didn't care about anything Yahweh said, and so the idea that the uh, Loi were to provide the Cohen was meaningless to them. The control mechanism, which became later known as Pharisees and Sadducees, had no correlation whatsoever to the Loi, the Levites. And and so rabbis who claim to have authority, and that's the reason Israel doesn't have a constitution, is the rabbis don't want to lose control. They realize that there's mm-hmm. no way they will prevail by strength of their argument. And so the only way they can maintain their control over Israel and Jews is to have it imposed. And so they're the ones who are unauthorized. They are the ones who are illegitimate. The ones that claim to be authorized and to be legitimate are the very people Yahweh is condemning. They're the ones who are falsely claiming authority, and it goes all the way back to this Maccabean period where the credentials that Yahweh had established for who would serve as his Loi and his Kohen to serve the people by helping them understand the seven Moed Mikre was uh, cast away. So those who are illegitimate and authorized, those falsely claiming authority who are from a distant place advocating that which is improper, will no longer make him work for them. Instead, they will serve with Yahweh, their God, and with Dode, their king and counselor, whom to reveal the way to the benefits of the relationship I will raise up and establish for them. Yermiah 39. Who is coming back? Well, those come back with Yahweh. And that's why I just, you, you read it, you so, go, how the heck could you come up with, what, were so, you crazy? You so how could you be somebody like Mamamides um, or Akiba or any one of these so-called sages or rabbis and you're saying that well, there's going to be a Messiah. We just don't know his name. Right. Or yeah. we don't know when he's going to come. Uh, How could you be that stupid? Yeah. That, you mean, can't you read? It's written in Hebrew. 
that Yahweh anointed <laughs> Dode three times? That he is the rabbi? I mean, excuse me, that he is the anointed Messiah? It says it three different times that Yahweh not only anointed him with the anointing oil at his specific request, but that he also anointed him with this set-apart spirit. Three times. He is the Messiah. Yeah, I'm looking at it. God says that over and over again through his prophets that when he comes back, Mm -hmm. this is God describing his return, he is coming back with Dod, David. And that the king is going to be Dod, David. How could you be a Christian? You're you're coming with this uh, book, the only place that even talks about a quasi-New Testament, even though that's a bad translation, is Jeremiah 31, Jeremiah 31. And here in 30 that leads up to it, it says that though David is the one that's returning as king, and yet your whole religion is based upon your Jesus being the Messiah, him being the king, him being the son of God, having stolen all of those accolades and titles from Dode, and that he is supposed to have a second coming. No. No. How could you not know who your Messiah is? How could you not know when he's coming? Hey, I'm a goy. I know. How come you can't figure it out? The the translators know that. They said it right here. I'm looking at all these English translations. It says, Dode, Yahweh and Dode. All you got to do is look under the way it says, Lord, and you read as Yahweh, it's Yahweh. The reason we don't call him David is there is no V in the Hebrew. Yeah. yeah. At the time so, this was written, so and, and really until <laughs> until the uh, uh, very recently, uh, there was no V sound in, in Hebrew. The uh, right. the wa is German. like the wa, and yeah. uh, Yahweh's name it's a vowel. It was pronounced like an O, just like Yahweh, just like Torah, just like Shalom. The O sound is from the wa, and so uh, the name of Dode has. Uh, uh, Two delefs with a uh, with a um, a wa in the middle. It's Dode. Now there are every book written about it. Like when Dode was writing his own Psalms, he spelled his name D W D. When Yahshua was speaking of him, it's D W D. Yirmiyah speaking of him, it's D W D. When Shamuel, who says the most about him, spoke of him, D W D. It's only books that were written very much later that mix in some uh, D-W-Y-D, which would be Doed. But um, the spelling, some, what, 750 of the 1,100 or 800 of the 1,100 times that Doe's name is uh, is mentioned, uh, it is uh, D-W-D, and in Hebrew that would be Doed. That's just the way she uh, she crumbles. The name means uh, beloved. But clearly, instead they will serve oh. with Yahweh, their God, and with Dode, their king and counselor, whom to reveal the way to the benefits of the relationship. I will raise up and establish for them. Christianity exists because, beginning with Paul in his first letter, that to the Galatians, came up with this lame notion that 
every statement made about Dode David, about him being the son of God, about him being the Messiah, about him being the returning king, um, that every statement about Dode really applied to this mythical character named Jesus. And so Jesus became the Christ because, well, the whole discussions about Dode had him being the Messiah and that which was said about Dode must have really meant to have been said about Jesus, that somehow God just didn't know how to write his name or say his name. But that's who he really meant, even though he wrote the other fellow's name. That's the basis of Christianity. Without of that transfer, uh, there's not, there is nothing to the religion. You don't have a son of God. You don't have a Messiah. You don't have a Christ. You got nothing. And so, and, it, and if he returns, you're in trouble because then he's not the yeah. Passover lamb. So you got you got you <laughs> that, can't win on this thing. <laughs> yeah, and of course the Jews in denying him are in even worse shape because he was the Passover lamb. His name was Yosha. Uh, Yahweh saves. He was the Passover lamb, and as the Passover lamb, he opened the doorway to uh, to life eternal. And then Yahweh allowed his soul to go into Sheol to expunge uh, our um, religious and political stigma so that we could be perfected and therefore uh, brought into his family on Bukhutim as firstborn children. Those things were fulfilled in year 4000 Yah, and in Judaism they're all denied because Judaism actually began with the express purpose of trying to fend off this new religion of Christianity so that rabbis could continue to control the Jewish people. So it exists to condemn Christianity so they condemn Yosha and therefore they condemn the Passover lamb, precluding themselves of life. And Christianity um, creates this misnomer that uh, their Jesus is everything but the Passover lamb, he is uh, instead the Son of God and the Messiah, neither which apply. Both religions get it completely wrong. Yes. Well, we've come to the end of our broadcast portion. We are now still recording for those who have called in as opposed to those who are listening online. They can still hear us. And, of course, 99% of the listenership of the program is to the archive. So we'll, we'll uh, proceed just a, a wee bit um, longer. Um, I told uh, both uh, uh, Kirk and Dee before the program began that that um, uh, by translating and commenting on Yahweh's testimony 12 hours a day, day in and day out, after a while, my eyes uh, begin to, um, to scream at me and I get uh, sure. uh, headaches that are based on eye strain. And unfortunately, these last three or four days, it's, uh, it's been a little rough. So uh, um, uh, I'm not going to go too much longer. But I, I do want to talk a little bit about uh, it's been a little bit rough because it's going to get really rough for God's people. Um, yeah. God is not. And, and on, I, I don't sit here and say, okay, God, uh, I've got a headache. You know, and I'm sitting here 10 hours uh, translating and commenting. Wouldn't it be nice if you get rid of the headache for me so that I could do this with a, uh, um, a, a fresh mind? No. He, he is not my genie, not in a bottle that I can rub the side of it and say, I want three wishes. Uh, uh, you know, I want to be, uh, 
20 pounds uh, thinner and 10 years younger. Uh, and, uh, and a better putter. Uh, yeah, and a better, <laughs> a better putter and, uh, and driver of the golf ball. Uh, no. That, uh, if, if the God was, uh, played the role of genie, then everybody would, uh, would be coming to him and for all the wrong reasons. Right. And, and it's actually, can you tough it out? Can you overcome challenges? Since in every life there are problems, and in Jewish lives they're going to become intense, can you endure Stay the course uh, and be productive when things are tough. Yeah. That's the that's the proof. Right. And and so it is important that that we endure and succeed through the same kind of obstacles that would bring others down. Right. Um, so that is the uh, the nature of that, and something that you want to keep in mind as things get to be. Very, very tough. There is one assurance, and that is that if you choose to accept and act upon the five conditions of the covenant, you attend Yahweh's seven invitations to meet and understand what he is doing for you on those days, accept him by name, are observant of what he has to say, then your soul is protected. You will spend eternity with him in his home and explore the universe uh, and be enriched and be empowered and be enlightened and go from a three-dimensional being uh, stuck in a failing human body, a physical body, to being a spiritual seven-dimensional being. Uh, that's the right call. Do that, and the rest of it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, as, as we talk about how much time we have left, one of the things that's really important mm-hmm. to us is, uh, yes, being a seven-dimensional being in Yahweh's company is better than my back and eyes hurting as I sit here in this uh, chair 12 hours a day, uh, translating and, uh, and thinking about Yahweh's testimony to share it with you. Uh, those books are all available, yadayah.com. They're all available in their entirety for free. Uh, the... The key thing is that we want Yahweh to be pleased when he returns on Yom Kippurim with Dod, and that the family that is there that is reaching up and accepting him because they have chosen to be observant and to return makes him happy that there are enough quality people there that he is pleased on that yeah. day. That is really essential. To us, to him, to Dode, and I'm going to tell you for certain, to those people who choose to be there. <laughs> and so the, whatever time and opportunity and energy we have between now and then, we're going to spend it there. That we're going to spend it doing this because of the enormous benefit it is for those people who don't currently know him, but will come to know him because of uh, what we're doing together. So we're doing this for you. Take advantage of it. We're asking nothing from you in return. Our only benefit in all of this is twofold. We love Yahweh. He's our Father. 
we want our Father happy. We want our Father pleased with uh, his people. He's done so much for them, he deserves that. And second, eternity is a long time. The universe is a big place. Both are going to be more enjoyable with more people, quality people to share them with. So we want you. And it's the same thing as seeing and experiencing anything spectacular. You'd have to be a, a real louse to experience something as wonderful as Yahweh and his testimony and his covenant and to say, I'm going to keep it for myself. I'm not telling anybody about that. Yes. Agreed. I think it's, so, I think it's the first thing everybody does is share. Start saying, did you know about this? Yeah. I mean, I did. Exactly. I, and, I drove and, all my and, friends away. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. We, we, we tend to share before we, we know what to share. Before we know very and, yeah. and, you know, and we're not trying to be popular. Right. You know, we're, no. We're, we're, we're saying you've got to make a decision, and this decision is going to make you unpopular. Yahweh's favorite term uh, is Kodesh, and Kodesh means set apart, set special, apart. unique, uncommon, yeah. and thus not popular. So if you're part of a popular group, then you are not with God. Don't rethink it. Yeah, yeah. so God is yeah. not running a popularity contest. He instead is looking for people who want to be set apart and, uh, and special. Yep. Then also, Jacob, uh, uh, go ahead. No, oh, sorry. No, I'm saying, how many times in your life could you ever do something where you could really please the creator of the universe? Yeah. For real. Um, I mean, what, for real. what could what you, you really possibly do? For God? do? Uh, yeah, feeble, for real. feeble little nothings. What could we possibly yeah. do? And all of a sudden, here's an opportunity to say, and, and y'all would actually smile. He says so. We've already covered a whole bunch of verses. Yeah. He yeah. Just you know, I feel like, um, like I finally had a chance to give God and his people a great gift. You know, we've written 30 books and we've done 10,000 or more radio programs and podcasts. And, and so, you know, we've been at this for a long, long time. But uh, just this, uh, this week, a couple of days ago, um, mm-hmm. thanks to the edit team and Jackie and publishing and, uh, and so mm-hmm. many others that were supportive through this whole process, we finished the volume three of Babel. Uh, it's the three yeah. books that were revealed, the two books revealed in Babylon. Ezekiel is the two-book uh, 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 series, uh, with Daniel being the, the first of the three volumes. Um, Ezekiel is so demonic, so utterly sad, uh, sadistic, sadistic and satanic. Uh, mm, and its so purpose is to dehumanize and to demonize Jews. Uh, and everything he says is wrong. He didn't get a single prophecy right. But that's the, the smallest part of the problem. And it doesn't just contradict the Torah. In fact, his idea of, uh, of the Mikra is to have one of them. Just one. It's uh, Pesach. But even Pesach, everything is different. Uh, and there actually is no lamb. Uh, and uh, matzah is something to eat during Pesach. The mikra of matzah doesn't exist. Bakunim doesn't exist. Shabuah doesn't exist. Teruah doesn't exist. And uh, most certainly, uh, 
Kippurim doesn't exist, the Day of Reconciliation, because that's the day he doesn't want Yahweh to show up. And though he mentions that there is a, uh, uh, an event that will take place when um, uh, Sukkah begins, he doesn't even know the name. So, and, and it's replaced, we have uh, um, Celebrate the Moon Day, uh, a feast of the Shabbat, and we have All Nincompoops Day. I call it All Idiots Day. Is uh, another one of his favorite <laughs> festivals. <laughs> All Idiots Day. Uh, and, uh, and his b- before all of these, he actually has the Feast of the Beast. And the Feast of the Beast, uh, he takes the Gaborim, plural. Gaborim are the people who are the boldest and most courageous in communicating Yahweh's message. Uh, Dode is the ultimate Gabor, but it was plural Gaborim, so there's uh, more of them than uh, mm-hmm. the one. It's, it's likely Yada, um, Elia, and Dode. That he intends to eat. He intends to eat, to plate them, to carve them up, and to share their flesh with his followers, and then drink their blood. This is the book of this is the book of Ezekiel. Uh, so, so by by exposing it and condemning it, I felt that we did something really magnificent because we freed the world from this stench that doesn't belong associated with God and said, yeah, it's stupid, it's demonic, it's mean, it's idiotic, but it has nothing to do with God. Like this whole thing about Gog and make there's no Gog. There's no Magog. The whole thing is a farce. And people trying to search for what it means, forget it. And of course this book uh, has the devil rape Chawa. And yes. then he turns Jewish women into prostitutes, doesn't like the way they act as prostitutes, and then has them uh, tortured and their families killed. So it is a great liberation of Jewish women to expose and condemn this book, and of the Jewish people. But it still stings because this book was written by a Jew on behalf of Satan. And it was many, many religious Jews that continued to place it in the midst of Yahweh's prophets and uh, give it credibility. And so they gave credibility to the very book that demonized and dehumanized them. That's a special kind of stupid. But anyway, the books are finished. I uh, got it. If there was ever something that I would like the entire Jewish world to read, it'd be those three books on Babel. Collectively, I I guess they're, oh, what, 1,500 pages or more, uh, 2,000 pages, uh, but it's worth the read. Um, If anything, it will free you from religion. Just as the four volumes of Questioning Paul will free every Christian from Paul's influence and the plague of death, uh, these three books on Babel will free Jews of uh, rabbinic uh, influence and free Yahweh uh, from having his testimony commingled with, uh, right. with yeah. Satan's. So, yeah. 
So uh, we're we're very pleased to be able to offer that. And you know, I'm back now uh, translating the Mismore for Volume Three of Coming Home, and it is amazing how insightful <clears throat> Dode is. There there are some sentences that you could you could write a book about just the sentence and okay. what he is conveying and his relationship with Yahweh. And there's a special way to read these Mizmor that, that, that they were intended this way, which is mm-hmm. when Dode is speaking in first person and he's speaking to Yahweh in second person, you ought to read yourself into the story. You ought to, you mm-hmm. ought to read it as mm-hmm. if yeah, it's it. you saying it. Read it me. in first person. Wow. Apply it to your life. Dode is the exemplar. He represents the things Yahweh loves, passion, intensity, intellect, courage. Uh, He's articulate. He is bold. And he's right about God. Brilliant mind. These are things that Yahweh loves. And it is a real pleasure to return and to be able to, um, to explain just how um, this man revealed the very relationship Yahweh was seeking to develop with us. And for those who are uh, listening, it, it is exceedingly simple. Uh, God wants to be dad. That's all he wants. Yeah. He's really not interested in being your God. Uh, he's, that's what he is. It's not what he wants to be. He is. It's not what he wants to be. He wants to be dad. He wants you to be his son or daughter. He wants to raise you. He wants to teach you. He wants to guide you. He wants to protect you. He wants to enjoy seeing you grow and become all you can be. That's what he wants. It's that utterly simple. That's what the covenant is all about, is us becoming Yahweh's children. That's the purpose of of the Moed Mikre, particularly as we, we go through this doorway of life, past this threshold of perfection, so that we become Bukhotam, firstborn children, and then are enriched and empowered and enlightened by our God, ultimately with God's family, reconciled with him on the day of reconciliations, all so that we can camp out together on Sukkah. That's the message. This is not a God that wants to be feared. He doesn't want to be worshipped. Not interested in you praying to him. Has no interest in donations. Has no interest in setting rules or laws. Doesn't even have a Hebrew word for obey. He wants to be dead. Yeah. Yeah. And he's approachable. He's likable. He's fun. You have nothing to lose to embrace him and everything to gain. And you know, the beauty of the whole thing is, well, Dode was brilliant. When he became emotional, he really was a, uh, a dunderhead. He really was. He, he did some really dumb stuff. And yeah, well, loves him so much that he calls him his son and his, uh, his firstborn and, uh, his shepherd, Favorite, his man. Messiah, his king, his faith, everything. Uh, and yet, 
he is seriously flawed. That's not great. Yeah, hope for us, man. <laughs> no joke. Yeah. Man, God can, is so, not overly demanding. He is, you know, Dode really got uh, full of himself. Uh, he and, and we'll talk about this in a future program. He says, you know, God, there's no way you can walk away from me. You are my assistant. That's just the way it's going to be. Uh, and it's true. God's here to help us. And there is no way he's going to oh, walk away from us. I mean, yeah. I'm not bold enough to, <laughs> to say it. I think I'll agree you, with him. But I'm glad you did. <laughs> yeah, I'll let you do it. No, actually, I, when I was, I, I did have a little fun with it. But I actually said that's, uh, yeah. that's when you know you are right where he wants you to be when you're making that same statement. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Uh, you are you are my assistant. You're my helper, and you will yeah. uh, you will never leave me, me or me walk up. away from me. And uh, that's exactly what he wants you to say because it happens to be true. And I want you to become yeah. part of the covenant family. Um, so this is the story that God was telling his people. Uh, boy, I tell you what, there is no better time to be able to share these. Uh, um, statements from his witness uh, so on point. Than, it is, yeah. than it is right now. It is really on point. So thank you so much for being part of this program tonight. We'll be a week closer to uh, Chalk Matzah and the opening celebration of Pesach uh, one week from, uh, from today. May Yah bless you all. Uh, good night. Good night. Good night. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.